0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting guy, but for those that are, there's betonline.ag. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And, of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. up, y'all? It's time for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. BBN, we are here. I got double zero, the 96 champ the NBA vet, Tony Delk. My name is Vinny Hardy. What's the good with you tonight, TD?
1: Brother, man, another night, man. Without snow here in Atlanta, not to say that it's going to come. We don't have <laughs> snow. I think there's snow in every part of the country except in hot Atlanta. And it's not really hot here, but it's really cold Atlanta. So, man, just... uh Enjoying this cold weather.
0: you and got a special guest that you know very, very well in here. I think you might have froze up, but he's back with us now. So I got to let you bring him in, man.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Hey, 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 this dude and I, we've been we've been friends since 1992. Kentucky Mc, McDonald's <laughs> Derby Festival, which I didn't want to go to. My mom forced me to go there. But, you know, finally gone, this guy and I, wouldn't have been roommates, you know, for four years in college. You know, unbelievable guy, great coach, uh, won a championship together. We went through a, a lot of trials and tribulations, actually played in the league together on the same team with Boston Celtics. Tenure, tenure vet, has coached on all three levels. Well, two levels, I would say college and uh, NBA. But just a remarkable dude, just what he's done for the game and how he's helped so many people out. One of my good friends, one of my best friends, slim walter
2: mccarty (laughs) what's happening guys thanks for having me man i appreciate it
0: appreciate you being here man good to meet you watched your career like i did tony's and cool to be sitting here talking with you man it really is
1: yeah we got we got a lot of we got a lot of stories man thanks we can't tell them all uh, on the podcast, you know. We, we're gonna keep
2: this. We can't tell all of PG,
1: you know <laughs> what I'm saying? PG, G, and PG. That's what. That's how we do it. But uh, you know, just just having Walter as a roommate, man, you yeah. know. And Walter, first year, he was setting out, and it was uh, gotta, a year. A year where you know. I didn't play a lot either. So, really, just get a chance, man, to grow as um, as young men. I mean, that's what we had had the opportunity to do and come in and. Play for one of the, you know, Hall of Fame coach and Coach Patino. Walter was, you know, a, a player that came in and, you know, like I said, we both had to get acclimated to the, to the collegiate game and Walter can speak, you know, on this stuff, just how, how his first year was, you know, everybody see us winning that championship in 96, but can you explain to our listeners, you know, tell them about that first year in 1992, how, how it went, how it started, how it ended and uh, everything that happened in between.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was tough. So the first year coming in, you know, I I weighed 190 pounds of seat because I was a proper practice with the team at all. Um, so that 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 was tough in itself, not being able to practice with the team and having to find um ways to stay in shape, scouts in and stuff like that, because nowadays you can actually practice with your team if you have to sit out of here and do all that stuff and but the only thing I could do was work out uh, with my strength coach um so that was really tough um so i i didn't go you know for me to to not miss it as much things you know I, I stayed on campus or watched on TV or whatever but um because it, it, it was tough setting up that first year and you know we were the number one recruiting class coming in and not to be able to uh, play that first year was tough but what it did allow me to do was allow me to put on some weight and get stronger. So I took full advantage of um, being in the weight room, but um, it, it, it was tough. Um, so, you know, I got, I got to hear a lot of the, the, the stories and the struggles uh, from Delk, you know, coming home from practice or coming home after a game and, and not being able to play a lot of minutes and see those frustrations. So um, that really helped me a lot going into, the, into our, our, our sophomore season. Uh, really being prepared to um, have to grind it out, uh, whatever minutes that I was going to get. And I remember that season starting off my sophomore year. Um, you know, I, w- I was probably 206, 208, and I was playing the center. You know, I, 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 remember, uh, I think his name was George Claxton or something like that. George yeah. Claxton was – George Claxton big, big Charles, was 300 big pounds. Claxton.
1: Big Charles, Big Charles Claxton. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Charge the charge So I was guarding having to come in and guard all these similar stuff. I thought I was a small forward coming in, man. I think it really helped me a lot with my footwork, learning how to use my body and just just all all those things really, really prepped us as far as um just being able to do a lot of different things on the court before that team um being able to, be able to to get put in any situation. And succeed in it, but it, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work. Um, fortunately for us, we had a lot of guys that, that were really talented and could really play. So we were we were challenged every day, um, whether he was in the weight room, out in the track, or, or on the court. So um, it, it it was a blessing uh, for all those challenges every day and um, to be able to put it all together. Yeah,
0: yeah. So y'all was roommates the entire time, right?
2: Entire time, yeah, we got on each other's nerves.
0: <laughs>
2: it's was, it an was odd couple
0: stuff, right? What did it,
2: couple we got stuff? on each. Wouldn't
0: y'all like the odd couple—one neat, one messy—that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you nah, know, uh, the one was. <laughs> 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 you know, hey, hey I, I had to come at the couple. You know what? And, and it's crazy too, because you know, you have to. The room is divided, and I'm just like, dude. You got to keep your side of the room clean, man. you know I had all. Cause I, I was I was so organized, and I'm still like that to this day, man. I'm, I'm I'm even I'm even more organized. But the funniest thing about you know us being together was I never forget when we went to uh, we had summer school together. So I happened to get there <laughs> before Walter did. So they had bunk beds. <laughs> so the first person there, you know, I wasn't gonna take the top. I should have taken the top bunk. and you take you no know, Walter 16. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm already here. How I look climbing up there, and I'm here before him. So I took the bottom bump. <laughs> so pretty much every every night, you know, getting ready for bed, man. If he didn't hit his head or or like, you know, he was having problems climbing up them, climbing up the bottom uh up, up that little ladder, man, to get in that bed. I was like, man, I felt bad for my dude though, but you know, just just how good of friends we were, man, you know, and just even to this day you know, us talking, you know, more than periodically, you know, we always checking on each other, making sure everything is cool with the family, the kids. And it's so funny when you, when you are roommates and you're 18 years old and as we've gotten into turning 47, you know, he celebrated his birthday uh, in February and and mine's in January was that, you know, we, we had a lot in common And, and that's when you can be with someone and, you know, although we're from different states and we grew up differently, you know, we always had basketball in common. Like, that was always our common denominator. And when you can have that that, that personal, not really struggle, because we had our struggles, but it's really just defining who we were, you know, what we did in order to, uh, to get a scholarship to make it to Kentucky. I think so many times, you know, kids don't understand how much work that goes into it. You know, Walter can, you know, he can contest to, you know, starting out as a freshman in high school, but it goes all the way back really to elementary and middle school, man, just the focus and, you know, for us paying, paying attention to details. And I think that's what made Walter, as I look back and I had a chance to sit in on a couple of his practices, I was like, man, this dude, this dude knows this game from not only a player perspective, but he knows it from a coaching perspective. There's two different kind of languages that people don't know.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna fast forward up to the present, and look, I got a ton of questions for Walter too. November 2019, you come in with your hometown, Evansville University. You come in the rep Arena, you beat the Cats. TD, you and I have talked about it on a previous podcasts. You talked about how y'all were there, y'all were there cheering for Walt. You made Big Blue Nation feel some type of way because we was a little bit happy for you, but we was like, man, you 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 just come in and beat the cats, so we couldn't. It was just a real conflicted kind of feeling. Bittersweet,
1: man. Just it gonna was, say it. Bittersweet.
0: It, it, was, it, was, bittersweet. it was all kind of weird. I turned on Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio because we had him on my other podcast that y'all mentioned. I turned on Freddie Coleman that night, and there Walter is interviewing with Freddie talking about beating the cats in Rupp. So it was it's look it's, but since everything has transpired since then how you been these past 15 months how's everything with you man how you been
2: oh he's muted muted muted
0: got you muted
2: sorry about that can you hear me now yeah yeah man I, i'm you know i'm great i'm blessed um everybody's healthy you know we're, we're in a different time right now That's i think everybody's thrown out the loop a little bit but um i'm healthy i'm blessed i'm in the gym teaching and 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 getting kids right but I, I have no complaints. All is well, man. And just looking for um looking looking forward to the future, man. I really feel that um God's got me in place. He's got something um special for me and I, I can't wait. So I'm just sitting back waiting, being patient um, for my time to come and um looking forward to it. But all is well, man. I can't complain. That game was great for our for our young people, for our guys, and as far as um really being in yourselves and and, and and come together as one and really believe that you can do anything no matter what the odds are. And um, came together and, 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 and played hard for me. But the um, most important thing, as Tony talked about, one thing about our Kentucky team, very talented. Um, we, you know, we were athletes, but we paid attention to details. Like we all had really good IQs and we understood the game, and, um, which, is, which is really important in basketball. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of kids um, overlook when they're thinking about trying to get to the NBA to so the next love that yeah, you may be talented or whatever but if you don't if you can't pay attention to the details and game plans and all that stuff you, you're not going to make it and um, that team was the team that really paid attention to details because um, we were not the most talented team
0: I gotta ask you the same question I asked I asked Tony this several episodes back being that y'all have done so much in the game and worn so many different hats how do you watch the game now? When you, do you watch it as a former player? You watch it as a coach? You put your analyst hat on? Do you watch as a fan? How, what hat are you wearing when you just sitting watching the game?
2: Um, it just it just depends. Like you know, like sometimes I may watch a certain team because I want to see what type of actions they're running. So things that I'm interested in teaching the team are are um, for something that I like for offensive uh, part, and, and that's the coaching me um there's not a lot of guys like that there, there's there's few in in the league so I'm, I'm watching the actions but sometimes man, i just sit back and just you know you're just a fan and you just you know you own and on but but i think for us because because we've been around the game so long it, it's it's just like the matrix you know when when Neo found out he was the one he read so easily. Players like done it so much to understand why they did this or why they did this or why they did do this or why he's in the game. So, um, I think you're 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 playing all those heads all at the same time. You, you think from it what you want, but um, a lot of times we're watching the game, we, we know what's going to happen because we know what plays are running, things that we're that, that we've seen before. So, we kind of know what's happening. So, um, I, I, I for us, I just think it's just. It's a little bit of all that. You're, you're a fan, you're a coach, um, but you you also can put yourself in that moment when guys hit big shots or when guys are feeling pressured or whatever. So you understand what, what they are going through. So I think it's all this.
1: Was there any, um, when you look at the state of the game right now and you see how it's gone from you being a stretch forward that we go back 20-some years ago, it was uncommon to have a 4, five, six, 10 guy pick and pop, you know, be that stretch four. So as you've seen this game, how, how it has advanced, you know, was there anything differently you would have done as a player, uh, being in a position you win coming out of high school?
2: I think for me, this, this, this would have been the perfect league for me. Um, can you guys can
0: you a little, it's lagging a little bit
2: can you guys hear me there you go can You guys me? yeah got gotcha. all right I'm trying to move around my house oh, can, you, can you hear me all right yeah so um for me to be, to be honest like today would have been a perfect time for me to play because this this is how I play being able to run you know, the, you know, dribble, pass, shoot and all that stuff, play different positions but I think it helped me from playing my idea because it gave me mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just being at Kentucky was able So it's not as it is. It's a totally different um, impact as I deal with those because you know I was
1: trying to get that audio corrected. I know he's yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: trying to give us give us the best input and in trying to find.
0: Yeah, we're we'll getting back. He he's moving. He's relocating and he's moving. There yeah. <laughs> you.
1: Go back to
2: my original spot.
1: Yeah, hey man, yeah, yeah, it sound like you in a cave, man. Like like, like we called you, you you in the in the mountains in, in Massachusetts right now. So,
2: man, we, you know, we got so much snow here. But I, what, what I was saying, like for me, it was an advantage for me back when we played because, you know, I was playing against slower guys. I was able to get my shot off. I was able to be a threat in the corner. So as much as I fit in today's game, I think everybody's doing it, and it's, and it's, it's not special anymore. You know, everybody's shooting threes now. So when you draw stuff up, it's it's a little different. So for me, I enjoyed being able to do what I did because I I brought something extra to the table that a lot of teams didn't have. Um, You know, um, everybody's a Robert Orr now. Guys who, you know, who made this position um, famous, you know, there's, I mean, I'm not saying they're as good as him or successful as him, but everybody's doing that now. But back then, it it was a little different. If you had a guy like that, you can run a lot of different schemes and um, um, really, really throw teams off, so. That
0: makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, real quick, when you, when you look at these cats, what are your thoughts? Tony of I talked about it a lot, uh, talked about it a lot of different ways. <laughs> uh, a, a year like we haven't seen before, as far as UK is concerned, when you look at this team, Way it's put together, the way this season's played out, what have what have been your observations?
2: Well, I just hope these guys stay positive and they stay together. Um, everybody's had a tough year. Everybody's had a tough year from a basketball standpoint. And I thought like years like this, the teams that are going to have the most success are teams who have older players who've been around, older guys who understand what it is a coach wants and how and, and how to execute what their coach wants. Um it's tough because. Coach Cal has a lot of young players who hadn't spent a lot of time together. But then you, on top of COVID, hadn't spent a lot of practice time together, and they just haven't been able to mesh like his teams do. A lot of his young teams struggle early on. They don't lose this many games, but they struggle, but they they, they get it together. And I think um, with COVID, it's just, it's just been unfortunate for them to try to um, overcome all the hurdles and, 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 the, and the challenges that they have. Um, they're very talented, and um, I just don't think they've had enough time to mesh and um, be the team he needs them to be. And, um, you know, this is this is nothing against other coaches. He, he has fine coaches, but I also think that, um, you know, KP had a – you know, KP was able to really put a step on kid as far as this is what we need from you, this is your role, you're trying to make it, trust us trust us and we're going to get you to the next level, you know, trust Cal, trust what he's doing. You know, he was that that voice that was able to push his kids alone and help Cal out. And he didn't have that anymore um, from KP. So I think it's, it's tough to get what he's trying to get through to them. They probably understand it, but not as quick, you know, so, so I just hope they stay positive and you know, hopefully, you know, they stick around a little bit and, um, learn this game and get better um, before they, they head off to the to, to the to the next level
0: have you guys when you watch them you talked about the struggles and they've lost more than they usually have you know with all the circumstances are you still seeing that effort in that fight I mean a, a team this young could easily have gotten beat down and maybe checked out have you you still seeing them engaged and, and still bringing the fight every game
2: yeah that's they're still, they're still engaged. They're still fighting. They're trying to win games. Um, when you watch them, you can tell that they've they've learned. They're trying. They're trying. To, they're, they're executing better, and they're they're doing a lot of things. They're they're just so young. They're so young and still so new. And again, um, how much are they really allowed to practice for with COVID and and really you know get what they need to get out of practice and to have that confidence going in games? But it, it's tough because there's one thing. So. When you're playing at the University of Kentucky and you're struggling a little bit, guess what? These other schools, we've, we've been beating up on schools so much. <laughs> they they understand. I was like, man, we got a wounded dog here. Yeah. We got to jump. We got to. So they're getting – we always got everybody's best effort. So they're getting everybody's best effort, and they they don't really have a chip on their shoulder. Like, we had a chip on our shoulder. We were really good. We were number one. We knew we was going to get everybody's um, best shot. But, you know, we were older. We, we – it's a little different. These guys are so young, they don't they don't understand it yet. They haven't been through those wars, those challenges, to, to, to understand that they're getting everybody's best game because they are Kentucky.
0: Speaking of getting everybody's best game, yesterday was the 27th anniversary of the Mardi Gras miracle. And y'all got <laughs> LSU's best shot in 1994. You <laughs> talk about weathering a storm. How did y'all? The storm lasted the whole first half and part of the second half. How did y'all just hang in there to weather that monsoon? You got uh, Henderson hitting threes, Caesar hitting threes, just going crazy. How did y'all weather that storm that night in Baton Rouge?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let I'm, I'm gonna let Walter tell you his his story. And I'm gonna tell you mine. <laughs>
2: That, man, that, that that was a crazy, that was a crazy night. Um man to be like so we look back, we weren't playing well. We were getting smashed, we weren't playing well, we were playing good defense, man. They they just caught one, man. They were shooting, everything they threw up was going in. Everything they threw up was going in. And um, you know, I just remember at some point, you know, Coach P pulling us to the side. You know, we got a timeout. I think there was only like four or five of us um walking over to the huddle the, the guys are in the game and he whispered he said some words to us that kind of lit a fire and the rest was out of fear <laughs> i'm not going to say what he whispered but the rest was out what he of whispered. fear <laughs> i'm not i'm
1: not going to use the exact words he was like you mfs are going to pay tomorrow
2: you motherfuckers are going to pay for this he
1: said he told me he said you better transfer back to memphis walter Indiana, Jerry Prickett, West Virginia, a Broderick Rose was uh, a yeah. C Hall. So he had all the schools that were recruiting us say tomorrow will be the worst day that you ever been as a Kentucky <laughs> wildcat. You know, so we so what we were just thinking, we would just say hey let let us let's, let's get it respectable, respectable and get it down to at least 15, 15 points. And and what what Walter was what he was even stating was that this team was I've never seen a team this high. Like, we were playing really good defense. I mean, you're talking about two guys that had unbelievable first half, and they were on fire. And oh, man. And there was really nothing we could do. You know, and that would have been our third loss in a row because we just lost to Arkansas on a row. We had lost to Syracuse. And this would have been three losses, and we had never lost three games in a row. So that was another reason why coaches like, you know, tomorrow will be the worst day of your life. And <laughs> as Walter stated earlier, like, every time we played – You know, by the time we became a, you know, sophomore, junior, and especially when we became a senior, like, we were every team Super Bowl. So what these young players are experiencing right now, and they don't understand the history tradition, all that stuff in Kentucky, and, you know, we started, you know, we helped build some, you know, some added tradition to what was already in existence. But we knew every night we came out, man, when you got that number one, number two, top five, teams are coming at you. And for we, you. we had to come and play our best game that we possibly played. And that was night and every night, you know, every time we played someone, they were trying, they was giving us, you know, that best game. And I think as we got older, you know, we, we started to under, understand a little bit more how important it was for us to get off to a good start, but to stay yeah. fo- t- stay, focused, um, you know, coach, coach P, you know, we'll get it. We'll get into how, how great a coach he was, but just how detailed he was, the game plan, having, great assistant coaches, you know, guys that were just, just as locked in as players. And that's something that, you know, as Walter was talking about, just the importance of having a KP, there's nothing against Bruiser, nothing against Tony Barbie, but KP was a, a different kind of motivator. You know, when you take guys who've been head coaches, it's a little bit different when you've been assistant coach. And now we have seen, you know, K, KP, what he's doing up in New York, you know, just got those guys playing at an unbelievable level. Uh, Level, but it's it's a respect, but also it's how you address young men to get them motivated. And everybody doesn't have that that motivation factor, or how to motivate people. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing to right. talk to them, but how do you get an 18, 19 year old kid who think he's playing as hard as he possibly can play? Like we thought we played hard until we got to Kentucky. Like I really thought right. I played hard until that very first individual struck me. <laughs> <laughs> About 20 minutes in, I needed an inhaler. It was like I needed I need a fibrillator. It was like that exhausting. And I was thinking to myself, like, this was only 45 minutes. We gonna have a three-hour practice at, at this level. But what he did was he gave us that 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 level of intensity that we didn't have that 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 every kid needs at some point in time. And, and it comes from someone that gets that goes on the inside of your body, man, almost like they go in and, and take your soul out. It was like, listen, you can give us more. You just got yeah. to dig deeper. So he taught us, that is Coach Patino, he taught us how to dig deeper, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, when I look back and I played for a lot of coaches, Walt played a lot of coaches, but just how he got us to get to that level every day, practice every day. There was yeah. not a day we that Walter would tell you, he walked in, I walked in, Every day was intense from start to finish.
2: Yeah, and, and, and adding on to that, we can we can really say that we have never cheated a practice or individual instruction. No. We have never cheated one day as far as giving it a hundred percent. It's just we 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 never did that. And that's for a coach to be able to, to get that out of all his players. That that that's saying something.
1: You know what? I, I never even thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, <laughs> as, as, my, as I have my youth program right here and, you know, and I try to tell these guys, you know, what mm-hmm. they need to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to share that with them tomorrow, you know, with, with, with how they come in and cheat us every day. I say yeah. the one thing you're doing, you're cheating yourself, you know, yes, you're cheating. your, You're cheating your coach. You're cheating your, your, your teammates. But, you know, it's funny that Walter said that because I, I never thought, man, I never cheated that dude in practice. I never cheated, never. But from that day on, I never cheated practice, you know what I'm saying? So I knew how to be loyal to practices, but I had to be taught that, because I wasn't always taught that. When you were in high school, you are the most talented player. You know, Walter was the most talented player coming out of Evansville. I was the most talented player coming out of, out of Brownsville. So yeah, you know, we, we could take time off, possessions off, you know, we could take practice off. You no, know, we, we, had, we had the leeway, we had the green light, but that dude right there, it didn't matter who you were, you it didn't know. Matter. And, and and I can tell you the story like with Walter and I, being seniors, man. And I had started probably about 80 80 some games in a row. So he was talking about not starting me, taking both of us out of the starting lineup because he felt like we wasn't playing hard. And, and, and to me, that was the one time I was upset with coach because I was like, Coach, you know, that's that that's not true. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if that's your motivation strategy that you're trying to use to, to maybe get the younger players to, to buy in, to play. I'm like, no, nah, dude. And what Walter what Walter's saying is we didn't cheat. So I know I, I haven't cheated you in practice. So for you to want to do that, that's something that you want to do. It had nothing to do with what I was doing or what I had my performance because I always played at that level from time I got there, understood what he expected out of us. So that was the only time like that, you know, we would have had, you know, it would have been us not agreeing with, with what was about to happen.
2: Right. And that's that he he was pushing our buttons. Uh, I think he understood um, how good we were, not just us two, but our team. And um, for Delk and I man, we were, you know, we we're captains and we, we had some, you know, everybody looked up to us. Um, everybody looked up to us. You know, we were like the big brothers, no matter if, you know, if you were a senior or whatever. So we, everybody looked up to us and followed our lead. So um, I think he knew that. And, um, that was a sw- another way to push our buttons, man. And, um, it worked.
1: <laughs> well, I was, listen, put like this, I couldn't play any harder. <laughs> right.
2: Exactly. You got the most right. out of
1: me. I'm like, listen, dude, it's all you not- get me. Like yeah. I've, I've given this to you for, for four years now, you know what I'm saying? So if, if there's any more you can get, I mean, Hey dude, I don't, I don't know how you're going to get it out of me because you know, like I said, I gave it. And Walter tell you, man, like yeah. I, I went hard every day. He went hard, but, even my freshman season, just learning how it's getting acclimated to the, uh, to the collegiate game, you know, because as I stated earlier, just, just knowing how to play, you know, not even not, not on the collegiate level, but just knowing the transition, you know, just learning how to play the speed of the game, to play without the ball, which is probably the most difficult thing I had to do as a, as a young player coming in when, you know, when you're a two time uh, state leading scorer, you know, I always had the ball in my hand. You know, I had the green light. I could always get my shot or the ball was always going to come to me. So I had to learn that our offense was going through MASH and I had to learn how to get my shots and pick and choose. But I was learning offenses. I was also watching the guys that were ahead of me. And, and that's the difference between, as you watch this Kentucky team, yeah. you don't have any veterans teaching the young guys how to play, whether they're a walk-on, whether there are guys that were there, you know, and didn't play a lot, of, didn't get a lot of minutes is that you need someone who is in the fire with you. Because a coach can only give you so much. But when you have a player that is experiencing what it's like to, to, wear, that, their, to wear that blue uniform, they understand like, hey, dude, man, y'all got to come every day and practice. You know, give us your all. Re, uh, buy into what Coach Kyle mm-hmm. is teaching. So players, you know, based on how they play the game, who's teaching them the game, but what level you're trying to reach. Like, that's the difference.
2: Yeah, and for us, I, I remember you know early on when we struggled, we had guys around, you know, Jamel Martinez and Travis Ford, Dell Brown, the guys who could really pick us up and like you're gonna be all right. Just do this or that. They don't have those guys, and they 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 looking across the room or in the in the dorm. this is another freshman who's going to do the same thing they're going through. They don't know how to get out of it. You know, there's nobody to say, hey, you're gonna be all right. I I, I I've been through this. This is what you got to do. Or you know, they don't they don't have that. So it's it's, it's a tough situation.
0: Yeah. I got to go back to the to LSU game real quick. Just like you said, you get everybody's best shot. Looked at the box score. I think that was Henderson's career high. He was a freshman that year, and that mm-hmm. was his that was his peak scoring night of his career at LSU. So, he, you know, he, he brought it because Kentucky was in town. When did you guys, you know, because it's 68-37 with 15 minutes left, when did y'all when did y'all see them finally start to kind of start to wobble? Or when did y'all in y'all's head say we we got them or we 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 about to get them? <laughs> when did that happen? When did that moment go out for y'all?
2: Uh, we just kept plugging, man. Travis Ford was really, you know, we're not losing, just keep plugging away. That that was the talk. I remember in half, there, there was there was no instructions or anything like that in halftime. It, it was chaos. <laughs> so there was no. Change of game plan or nothing like that. We just he just kept shuffling us in and out whenever we needed breaks. I know myself and Delk were on the floor a lot that night. And uh, we were only coming out foul trouble or uh, unless we needed a break. And I I didn't even start that game. That was early on. That was one of those games where I kind of started starting after that. I came in off the bench. And um again, one thing that 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 was good for me is I shot the three. And so that was a game where it really showed that, hey, this this kid can shoot threes. Like we, we got to start playing him. So but we we just man, I don't I don't re- remember just one moment. We just kept fighting, man. We just kept fighting, and um, you know the the it, it, things just started going our way. And it didn't happen just like that. But it's just I don't I don't, maybe Delk has a moment, but uh, man, we we was just I didn't think we had it until. Um, to the end of the game, you know, uh, <laughs> to be honest, because it was just like, Man, we went not fall all the way back, and ain't no way we can lose this now. But we, right. we weren't thinking like that, it was just like, you know, we, we just kept playing,
1: or 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 like, you know, or or you can get so close and lose by one or two points, or go into mm-hmm. overtime and lose like that's what in a scenario like, like, like a scenario that. You look back and replay in and you, and, 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 and your mind. It never, it never mm-hmm. ends the way you want it to end. It's like you fought hard, mm-hmm. you get back in the game, you tie the game up, mm-hmm. and you lose on the last second shot, or goes in overtime, you lose. Like that's all. Those, those are scenarios that would, that will possibly happen when we see games like that. It's like now you go from cheering for LSU to like now you, man, you want to see Kentucky win this game. You want to see them finish it off, and then somebody hits a shot, somebody files out, like something, it never it never turns, you know, and to me, it really was about one minute, man, when I made that pass to Walter, I think Trav hit a free throw, I hit a free throw, mm. and I saw a lead that they couldn't you know, pull points. So I was like, man, they can't make, we're not going to file them to get them a four-point play, and mm. now we just got to let this shot clock run out, get the ball in, you know, to our best foul shooting hands, we got to make free throws, and it yeah. did when I when I look back, man, it, it was it was I tell people, you know, when the championship was great, you know, having a career high and you know, in the NBA, I said, but there was something that was special about that game. And and I and I have that conversation with my with my with my friends and family, my uh my kids is that you know, you never give up. When you can be mm-hmm. down that many points on the road, a team is beyond hot. Like it was like everything they threw up was going in. And we found we found a way to get ourselves back into game, but not to just to, to get overwhelmed by being on the road, them cheering for for the Tigers. Cause that, that game could have easily went from 30 points to 40 to 50. Right. Points, to yeah. be honest with you, if if we if if coach hadn't instilled that kind of fight in us, because that's the time mm-hmm. when you just say, man, you know what? We we beat a team by 50, 60 points. And <laughs> there is nothing you can do. It's like right. I don't care what you do. You know, it's like you lose. <laughs> you're gonna lose this game regardless. It's, it's right. almost like looking at our '96 16 and you're the assistant coach, and you're doing a scout for us. It's like, okay, that's he's a pro. 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 Good luck, guys. Yeah. I, what you want me to tell you? I mean, I'll I can give you a scout report on them dudes.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing: what that game did, and a lot of people don't think about it, but we learned how to fight. Well, we knew. We, we knew we. From all the individual instruction and practice, we had fight in us. But from winning that game, it carried over. Cause there was other times we were down. I remember being against a championship team, um, Arkansas in the SEC tournament. We're Ooh, down 12. Kid. We're down, we're down 12 with two minutes to go. We mm. come back and win. Yeah. Like that's a ch- We're down 12 with two minutes to go. And it happened another time. I can't think of who it was. But but that game, that LSU game gave us like the, we, ain't, we we're never out. Yeah. We're, we're not out of it.
1: Yeah. Mm. We we like I said, but but you know what's, what's so funny was that
2: yeah, we couldn't that wait to play
1: the dudes again. Like like the following year, we played him in Rubber Arena. Like like <laughs> like we really I think I want to say we forty piece of dudes, man. You know, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like these young players don't get a chance to experience that because we experienced that, you know, because I remember losing to Mississippi State as a junior on Valentine's Day. Like, like we only lost. We only lost two games in Rupert Arena, and I can remember both of them. We lost to Arkansas. We were number one yep. in the country. We was up at halftime. We came out and later in the second half, and then Mississippi State beat us Valentine Day. So we had a chance to go back down to Starkville our senior year, and I yep. didn't forget it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, these dudes came in, and, you know, because we won about 25, 30 games in a row at home. We hadn't lost at home in a while, and, you know, so Arkansas beat us. So we, I, I never forgot that. You know, it's just competitive – the competitive mindset that I have, and I try to tell my kids, I say, you have to hate losing. You have to remember losing, how you lost, who you lost to, and when, but you have to stay at a, you know in a place or be at a university for a while, really, to get that that understanding of what, what a coach is talking about when you've been coaching in a conference where, you know, like I said, what Walter said early, man. You think these you think these other programs, these other coaches, feel bad for Kentucky right now? Absolutely. Not at all. hell no they don't feel bad Kentucky has been beating up on so many of these teams that have and and have gotten coaches fired you know because everybody's trying to be like man how do we get to where Coach Cal is at right now we got to fire another coach to bring another coach in so this is their year to abuse us you know and and, and it's okay because you know what we've done it for decades
2: right right That's
0: that's it i take a quick second because we got a new sponsor on the podcast and we got to talk about another one that before we get off that both of y'all know very very well but this one is ebay for everybody in the sneaker game uh, i gotta take a brief moment talk about ebay whether it's rare dead stock or the latest release find the exact shoe you're looking for as the original sneaker marketplace ebay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators, easy for me to say, verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers, $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selections. Are y'all big sneaker heads? TD, I think you talked a little bit about sneakers. A little bit. We ain't talked about it a lot. <laughs> y'all, like, like PJ Tucker for the Rockets. That dude got sneakers, 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 sneakers. Y'all big sneaker guys are...
2: Yeah. I'm not as bad as Dope. I got a, I got a lot of sneakers, but I'm not as I'm not I'm not as bad as Dope. Dope was always going to the sneak ahead, always.
1: Hey, I, hey, it's so funny. I, I I have three pair on the way as we speak right now. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm kind right. of disappointed. I'm checking man because i supposed to be getting about, i supposed to be getting one a day, and my package wasn't delivered. I'm like, man, come on, man. i ain't not gonna deliver my shoes, man. I've been waiting on my shoes for a couple weeks now, so. Yeah, man, I, I've, always, I've always loved sneakers. Going back to when I even bought my first pair of Jordans. Uh, you know, I, I had to be the first person at my school with them Jordans on. So I, I made, I told my brother, I'm like, listen, man, I need you to go wait. Because back then, you know, you had to wait in line to get shoes. Like, the, the store opened at 10 o'clock. Like, you had to be there. And I told my brother, because we had to drive an hour, hour to Memphis. I said, man, I need you to be there at 10 o'clock. This was, is this was my brother, Les, who wasn't. He worked like three or four days in a row. He was off for a couple of days. But this particular day, he was off. I said, dude, I need you to be there at 9 o'clock. When the store open. I need these Jordans so I can wear them in the game tonight. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know how they, you know how they <laughs> get that, that first pair of uh, Jordan? because when they came out then, they were just only coming out in that whatever year it was, that style. So if the Fours came out, you know, there was all Fours that came out. It wasn't that many that came out. But even like to this day, I I just I've always loved like just sneakers. And I guess because you know, when you're when you can't afford them and you only have one or two pairs, like they all purpose, you know, they for church, they for playing outside, you know, they for walking, they for they for uh for school. So I say if I ever be able, from am ever in position to buy some sneakers, I'm gonna have me a lot of sneakers and they they're gonna stay clean. Cause we only have a couple pairs, they get dirty really fast, especially. With me playing in my backyard on a dirt basketball court, they stay dirty. <laughs> Matter of fact, I had to leave them on the front porch.
0: <laughs> we T D you and I talked about we talked about Ashton Hagen's on several episodes of the podcast. If you even had a guy like him back on this Kentucky team, Walt, I mean, he's he's a big time veteran compared to the way the roster is now. He gets suspended. By the Timberwolves G League team, the Iowa Wolves, for violating COVID protocols, and gets replaced by Isaiah Briscoe. So, oh, did he? Yeah, Briscoe is the one that took his. They brought in Briscoe after they, wow, uh, waived Ashton. TD and I talked about it. I Walter, I asked him. I said, you know, y'all played a decade in the league at various stages of your career. Say the the first quarter of your career the second quarter divided into four quarters how would you have handled playing and being a pro athlete in a pandemic depending on how old you are in the early part of your career in the later part of your career how would you how do you think you would have responded and reacted
2: i think a lot of it depends on who my veterans are you mm-hmm. know um because you're you're, you're 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 doing whatever your veterans tell you to do like, we, you know, I, I came in, I, had, I was with the Knicks. I had Charles Oakley, Buck Williams, Herb Williams, Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Chris Childs, Charlie Ward, Allen Houston, Larry Johnson, Charles Oakley, Scotty Brooks. I ain't messing up. Mm. You, you, had know what I'm you, you, you got some goons, too. Yeah, I got to add some goons. So I would have handled it great. They would have said, Be in your room, I would have been in my room. <laughs> Be a practice. I might practice. Be now. So you know, I think that's that's the difference. So um, early in my career, like with those guys, I, I, I would have been fine because those guys, those guys would have had me in check. They would have had my, They would. They would have had my ear. Mm-hmm.
0: And you, so you got Ashton, and look, y'all know the game is all about shooting. Now he's he's not a great shooter, and then he he's on a G league team. And now you kind of sh- burning that opportunity down by violating cover protocols. He, he definitely burned,
1: he definitely burned that opportunity down. But when, when you think about like a player, like Emmanuel quickly, like prime example of a player that's doing extremely mm-hmm. well with the Knicks right now. So he came back and worked on his game. You could, you could tell he went back in the lab and, you know, went from being probably an undrafted player to a first-round draft pick that's in the rotation that's playing extremely well right now. He came back and worked on his game. So sometimes you can't let your ego or your 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 family or, or people around you get you to do something that you're not ready to do yet. Because obviously, Ashton Hagen was not ready to be an NBA player. Wasn't mature enough. There was a lot of things that, he could have worked on as a player. And, and in his mind, he was better than what he thought he was. You know, so sometimes it's a rude awakening to a player. But, you know, you take Emmanuel Quigley, P.J. Washington, those guys came back and got better. We, we saw those guys mature and become NBA players. And that's where I, di- I didn't see Ashton Hagan because there's, there's time during the season where, you know, I saw him, I was like, maturity level. Okay, is he a leader? I didn't. I didn't think he was a good leader, and it's not to knock. You know, knock on Coach Cal as they recruit these players, but you know, having the maturity and ha- looking at someone like Walter stated earlier, like when I look at Emmanuel quickly, I'm like, man, I'm watching what he's doing so I can come back one more year. It doesn't hurt because right because you take yourself out of being a a potential draft pick to going undrafted, but and that's what Emmanuel quickly did. He took himself from from being a late second round, maybe not undrafted player, to not only being drafted, but he's in the rotation right now. So yeah. whoever his camp was, they gave him great advice. And he also, not only great advice, that advice led him to come back and really to work on his craft. Because it's one thing to start hearing what people think you are. and you In your mind, you think you're that player. But you know, and here's the thing about, Walter can tell you this right here too. After i seen you practice a couple times in the NBA or G League, we know if your ass is an NBA player or not. Like, yeah. we know that within three or four practices. It don't take no month. We, we're not no analytical dude sitting back saying, like, okay, the analytics say, well, if he goes right, he's a better percentage shooter going that way off <laughs> two dribble step back. No, we know within two or three practices if you are an NBA player. It don't take long. It's
2: mm-hmm. one thing I always say when kids ask me or people ask me, I always say, listen, the league will call you out. It's like it, it, you you're on the island when you leave because either either you got it or you don't, you know, and I uh, mean we, we we know.
0: Both of y'all spend a lot of time in Boston. Just how how strong is the culture to hate the Lakers? How, is that I mean, do they like beat that into y'all as soon as y'all get there, or is it just you just know the city hates the Lakers? Is it just everywhere you go? What's what's the vibe for that? Hold on.
1: Before, before Walter answers this.
2: That's hey, why I started it laughing. I do.
1: Hey, it wasn't hate the Lakers. I hated the cold. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't care less about the Lakers, man. When I left Phoenix and went to Boston, I hated the cold. I didn't care who they was. I didn't care who was in the conference. I didn't care about the no Lakers. It, it was the cold weather. So, all right, Walter, you can answer, you can answer the question.
2: I, I, I think it's different for 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 everybody, and I think it's like for the Celtics, it's, it's obviously the fans and the people who played in the area in the era with the Bird era, when you know the Russell era when they had those great matchups. Mm. Um, you know, for us when we played, man, I, I, for us when I played, it was it was the 76ers, You know, like that that, that was our rivals, but but it's like me at Kentucky, everybody hates Louisville you know. right? Like for, but everybody made such a big deal out of this game. And they would ask us about it. We're like, we don't know. We, we want to win every game. We don't care if it's Louisville, if it's Tennessee, right. Indiana. Like mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't care. We didn't, we all came from different places. We didn't come from Kentucky. So <laughs> we didn't care about that stuff. That's the same thing with the, you know, with the Celtics, like the fans, especially, all the, they, they hate the Lakers because of what they've seen in the past with the Will Chamberlain teams and the Dre West and the, 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 the Larry Bird's and the Kevin, all those rivalries that they had and Cedric Maxwell that, 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 that had nothing to do with us. Like we weren't a part of those games. And on the organization, that's, that's just something that they've, you know, it's a great way to make money. sell gear and, um, but that, that, that was a different time. Um, but, um, play, I don't, man, player players are players want to go out and compete and show they're the best. They don't care if it's the Lakers, if it's the Timberwolves, if it's the Heat, it's about showing up and winning, and um, trying to dominate every team. To me,
1: I think. Well, I think Walter stated best. You know, just that. You know, Louisville to me never was a rivalry. You know, hmm. I, I never saw it as a rivalry game because you know, as Walter just stated, we're all from different places. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was a game on the schedule that, of course, we wanted to win. You know, because we wanted to be the best team in the state, of course. But when it came down to like like an Alabama Auburn, like that, that kind of blood, that kind of fuel or, you know, family members that killed, killed each other. No, dude, it wasn't that serious with us. And even as we got to, as I got to Boston, you know, we played the Lakers, the robbery wasn't there. Like we knew about what happened in the eighties with you no know, Larry bird, magic, James, worthy, Kareem, Robert Paris, Dennis Johnson. Like we yeah. knew, we knew about all, cause, cause we knew the game. We, we knew the history of the game and, and, that's something that this generation is not that familiar with. But, yeah, I knew all those dudes. Like, I, I, mean, I love seeing Koozie. I love seeing Bill Russell, man. You know, yeah. like just to see them dudes walk in that were legends. When I say right. legends, iconic legends for the the NBA game, you know, that's what I was more impressed about with just seeing them walk through that door. Uh, other organization I played for, you know, they had they, – they didn't have Robert Paris, Kevin McHale. Larry Bird, like no no organization I played for could bring three guys in. You'd be like, them three Hall of Famers right there. Them them three dudes that my family grew up watching. That's how important they were to the game of basketball. And, you know, going back to college, it was, you know, like I said, we just, we battled, we played. There was no team that maybe Arkansas became a, a, a quick rivalry with us, you know, because we played similar styles. And for me, um, I almost went to school there. So it was more about, the guys who were who uh who were my hosts you know those were the guys that i was playing against and same thing with louis like some of them dudes like like jason osborne like mm-hmm. i think it was osborne i think jason jason mm-hmm. jason came down like a couple of them dudes like tick Rogers, like i knew them dudes man them dudes weren't no they were no bad guys right I mean, guys that the one
2: the one we all those guys yeah, we, I mean, we, we know very knew very well
1: them dudes, man if they came put it like this if they came to lexington like they hung out with us. We went to Louisville. they looked out for it. Wasn't like, okay, man, like it was like, okay, we're gonna fight these dudes because they're in our city. Or they we were just cool because we accepted each other. And we and we all love basketball at the end of the day. And like I said earlier, some of these dudes came down to Kentucky. They came down to Lexington and you know, we hung out and they did their thing, we did our thing. There was never no beef between us.
2: Yeah, it was it was, it was really about the fans. You know, same when I knew all the guys were Indiana, Doug knew all the guys who played at Tennessee. So it that was that was that was just, that was for the fans.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it really to be honest with you. Yeah, it really was, you know. And and that's what's so funny about you know us coming from from different is that we played them schools, you know. So it was like, <laughs> man, I was recruited by Tennessee. Walker well, was recruited by Indiana. So when I came back to play Tennessee, you know, it, and it what made it hard for me, you know, for uh, you know not playing with my home state team was that I really like. I like Wade Houston, but I didn't see them getting me to, uh, to the level I want to get to. And with nothing against this coaching, I just felt like when, when Billy Donovan came in, they all had already had a game plan for me, you know, like, and, and, and when you can think ahead and that's kind of how coach Patino, you know, his, his thought process is. you know, he, he's a proactive thinker. And that's something else he implemented with us. You know, we all became like, as, as we got into coaching training and, and commentating is we're proactive as i'm watching this game like i'm seeing things develop a lot slower you know because i'm older and maybe maybe that's the reason why too but you know <laughs> he really slowed the game down for us and started having us think the game and with walter being a versatile um four pick and pop player he didn't think like a traditional four, like a th- traditional power forward he thought as a guard so i knew i knew Whenever he got in the coach, I was like, "He's gonna be a different coach than most bigs." You know what I'm saying? Because most bigs are centers, and I'm like, "Them dudes not successful." And it's only because they they only saw rim rim run. Walter got a chance to handle the ball. He know about passing. He know about using screens. He can make the three, which is now the game, the outside game, keeping the court space with player moving, the ball moving. So as soon as he got in the coach, I was like, "He's gonna be fine." Like I never, it never wavered that he wasn't gonna be a good coach. Whenever he he got his chance to
0: be a head coach. I got to ask y'all about Draymond Green. He was an athletic. He called out the NBA's double standard for players who request a trade versus teams who sit a player in order to trade him. He's kind of calling out the hypocrisy of that. So what are y'all's thoughts on those scenarios? It's a business, and y'all been on different teams and know how how the game works. Y'all agree with his thoughts on that or –
2: I thought he was spot on. Um, you know, if you got a guy who says, all right, I need to be traded or whatever, everybody shits on you everybody like, but the team can come out and say, we're going to set you because we want to trade you letting everybody know we're trying to trade you. Right. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Um, So I get what he's saying. I, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with him. Um, it's got, it's gotta, it's gotta be equal. It's gotta be both ways. If, if, if you can't you can't be mad at the player because he wants to leave or he needs he's looking to, to, to get out. I mean, think think about it. So, why is it so? Why are they giving Deshaun Watson a tough time? But they let JJ Watt go. You know what I'm saying? How is how that's playing out? It's the same thing. So it's it, it, needs, it needs to be done better. But I, I I agree with Draymond. I think he's right on it. I think if you know if you're going to find players who're saying that are, are bad mouth them or um, try to say this guy's a cancer, but you as an organization, you can say, "Hey, we want to trade this guy. We're going to set him out." Um, you know, unless you know, unless a team, a play, a, a, the player, and the team they 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 they've come together, and they have a mutual agreement. And said, "Hey, you know, I want to set out because I want to be traded. I don't want to get hurt to mess up a trade." Or what? If there's a mutual agreement, then I get it. So we don't, we don't know that, um, but from how he set it up, I I, I agree with them. But um, there's a lot of times some of these guys do know they've been traded and they've requested it and they've worked some deal out. Um, so I think it just depends on your situation and if 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 that person's had talks with the GM. But I I think it was because not not everybody everybody does what James Harden does and you know not everybody can do it what he what he did. But you know so I think he I think, go ahead, Walt. I was. Uh, he knew he, what he had to do in order to get himself out of there. He's been around that, long, that organization long enough. And uh, so James Harden, he knew what he had to do to get out of there. You saw the other day, he, he apologized and said no hard feelings, but that's what he had to do to get out of that situation. And um, so it's, it's different for everybody.
1: I think, like I said, you know, with Drummond, you know, it, it's coming out ready to play, and then they tell you are not going to play. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's like yeah. – You you could have told me this before I got to the Mm -hmm. ring. You know, you didn't just make this decision, you know, when I got there. So I can understand, like, it it could be embarrassing to him and his family, his kids that came to watch their dad perform. And he has to tell them, like, oh, uh, well, they didn't want me to play because they didn't want me me to get hurt. I'm about to get traded. And it's hard to explain to your kids. You know, they were like, well, what do you mean? You know, know, you're, you're putting up good numbers. And, but, oh, but they want to see another player perform that's younger than you. And like Walter stated, when the team, the the team, the organization, there's no backlash to the organization. Haven't seen it yet. Where they just destroy organization. They destroy the players. When a player is not happy or he knows the writing on the wall, like, we're not going anywhere. Although I'm getting paid a lot of money, which is it, it. So people look at the money. That's all they care. They look at, okay, not, not about this guy had to uproot his family. Or he's not winning. You know, he's not, he's not satisfied. He's giving it, he's giving the team all he can give him. You know that's when I, I look at LeBron when LeBron left Cleveland. Like he gave Cleveland seven, seven or eight really good years of, of his of his playing career. And he knew he was not gonna win a championship with what, what what was constructed in Cleveland. So he had to make the move and become a villain to come back, you know, and win a championship. And it's like, oh. But the great thing about LeBron is he went back to Cleveland. As all the stuff that Dan Gilbert had to say about him, and there was a mm-hmm. lot of bad stuff. And I'm not talking about the stuff that re You can only imagine what he had to say to his little buddies and his friends mm-hmm. that we never hear, heard about. And LeBron was man enough to go back to his home state and win them a championship and left. You know what I'm saying? So he did what he's supposed to how many How many players who have ever been in this game were able to do what he, what he was able to do, and bring a championship to that to the the place that drafted him, the uh, place that loved him, a place that when he left burned his jersey. Can you imagine? You gave him seven to eight years of your best, the best years of your career, and they burn your jersey because you become a free agent. That means I am free to go where I want to go. I do not. Nobody owns me. And I think in Dan Gilbert's mind, he's like, "How can you leave?" You know, and that's just how I look at different players. And like I said, with these players having a platform, things have changed. You know, you can be a person that come out and speak what we probably couldn't do as role players. But when you are a star, you have a platform, you make it 30 million dollars. And you're not worried about I'm about to lose two or three hundred thousand dollars. I'm about to lose my job. I've already set myself and my family up. I'm going to say what's on my mind now. And this is where that's where most of these guys are at right now, even the Deshaun Watson, is that if he don't like what the organization has been doing, he has a right to leave. Because if they decide like you, if you're not playing well in football, what are they gonna do to you? They're gonna cut your ass. You don't say they're gonna cut your ass and have you restructure contract, and, and then that's the end of it. But, yeah. do, or do, but do those billionaire owners, do they take a pay cut? I haven't seen none of them take a pay cut yet. But they want us to stay loyal and take a pay cut when it when it's our time to become a free agent, get paid the most money that we're gonna possibly pay, and they want a hometown discount. Okay, then how did y'all when y'all became billionaires? How did y'all become billionaires? Is that y'all y'all didn't take no discount? I look at Netflix, Netflix actually went up. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, think about and that's a billionaire owned that company. A- Amazon the same, Jeff Bezos, yeah. He might have sold, he might have had to give up some shares in divorce, but he's still sitting on about a hundred plus billion dollars. Did did uh did Amazon prices go down? Nope, sure it didn't. But they want the players to take a discount. Come on, man.
0: Well, man, we know you can sing, we know you got albums, you got a catalog of music out there. <laughs> I, I gotta ask. Oh. Uh, which came more naturally singing or hooping and which is easier or harder to do in front of a crowd and you know on a big stage
2: um i mean they singing came first because i started when i was young um in church really young four or five so that that was I've all i've always done that since i can remember and um i started playing ball probably fifth or sixth grade um but Singing definitely came easier because I think for me, basketball, you know, when you're you're 6'10", there's some point you're you're, there's a lot of growth spurts. And um, so you have all the awkwardness and um, the coordination issues. And so I was awkward and uncoordinated all through middle school. And um, then it finally started to click um, beginning of my freshman year. And that's when things started getting easier. So it it didn't start getting easy Until you know, probably 14 15 years old. Um, so, uh, but as far as doing in front of the crowd or whatever, you're just getting the zone. I don't know if it's basketball music, I'm just just enjoying it. Cool, cool.
0: Now, which is which is the tougher business? The NBA, because that's a business, the music industry is is cutthroat and tough as well. You've done both, which 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 is the more difficult um well, uh,
2: is so obviously they're both tough but music there's you're competing against so many more as, as far as trying to um be successful there's because everybody there's you know every, we all got neighbors people down the street we know everybody trying to be a musician or whatever um for me, I I I knew my, my my calling was basketball, so obviously I put a lot more time um, into that. And my, my thing was I was never trying to be a, a superstar music person. I I enjoyed doing it; it was a hobby. Uh, but I knew what my calling was. But um, I think it's the same, man. You you, in order to be successful, you got to be great um, at both of them. Um, there's no, you know, you 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 really gotta got to really work your craft and um now music i think is a tougher business as far as business wise because um there's just so many things that you, you you have to understand as far as being successful um that you that you don't in basketball you know you know basketball is just about going out there playing earning the spot but um you get what comes from that but there's music is just a whole different world there's a lot a lot of language, barriers that you have to get through, and mm. you're talking about royalties, talking about, I mean, it's it's, it's just a, it's just a dirty business. Mm. Um, so, but um, b- basketball is much easier from that aspect from a business um, standpoint.
0: And last question I got At, in Kentucky and in the NBA, mm. who were the, the the toughest, most challenging matchups? You know, guys that you had to face, you know. At Kentucky and in in, through your NBA career,
2: man, I'm gonna say I'm gonna, so. Again, we talked earlier when I was um, early on. You know, I'm trying to put on weight. Coach Peeps playing me at the five, at the center, and so I was pretty much outmatched. Everybody I played against, so. You no, know, Charles Claxton, um, Demetrius Hill who played for Florida, man, his big body man. You're he talking hooked. about just like, Demetrius. Hook. Him and guys like um Eric Dampier, man. Look, those guys are so big and so strong, man. And um, you know, obviously by the time I was a senior, my junior year, I started um, you know, adding strength and and and, and weight so I could I could um be successful, but but early on, man, those those matchups were tough, man. Charles Claxton, and the, the Meat Hook, and Eric Dampier, um, Corliss Williamson, a lot of those guys. But I mean, lucky like for me, man, um, in the summers I got to play against Jamal Mashburn every summer, and no 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 one was tougher than him. I think that really helped me out as far as you know playing against people. You know, um, Jamal Jamal was always tough to guard from from college. Um, into the pros, but I think I, th- I think he really he really helped me out. But those guys like Charles Claxton, guys who were just three hundred and something pounds, and I'm two ten, I'm two fifteen, trying to guard them, man. It just it just wasn't fair,
0: man. We gotta gotta talk about our other sponsors on the podcast that that looked, TD Walt. Both of y'all, I think, are you know part owners. Talking about rain they got a. 96 championship watch edition coming out. Only going to make 96 of them. You guys, look, saw, saw Dave tweeting out the picture with y'all, with watches on your arms. Photoshop oh, <laughs> that into the 96 championship <laughs> picture. So they've been sponsoring the podcast. Y'all been endorsing them. We, you know, and that, that, that championship watch, man. Ooh, that one. That one is, that was nice, man. It's
2: a fire watch. So. Yeah, shout out to Dave a lot, to Ray, man. Those watches are awesome. 25th anniversary, 1996 uh, Wildcat watch, man. I'm excited about it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm I'm excited just like Walter is. You know, I, I wish our cast was having a, a better year. You know, that's, that's always <laughs> a, a, a selling point is that, you know, but, you know, it could be a different selling point. Like, hey, since the year has been so bad, you know, at least you can get something that uh, <laughs> that signifies that, you know, Kentucky has, was great at one point in time. You know, so maybe maybe put this year behind us and come out of support what Dave and Walter, myself, and so many of us, you know, just putting a, a really good timepiece out. But, but just something commencing all the, you know, the, the years of that have passed, but also just – being a part of a championship, you know, that a lot of teams, you know, we've had a lot of great teams, but, you know, just going back to cutting down the nets and being one of the, the greatest teams that ever played the game, um, you know, and I think when Dave started thinking about this along with Ben is, you know, we want to have something that was going to be meaningful, special, but also a timepiece that no one else will ever have, you know, so that makes it even more special. It's like when you, Win the championship is that the players, the staff, those are the only people, you know, that are going to get a ring for that year. And those mm-hmm. rings are special. So every time there's a reunion, everybody comes back and we all have something in common. And so that's the one thing with, uh, you know, with this watch is that just all that hard work we put in and, um, you know, we're still it's still reaping the benefits of, of winning that championship and back in 1996.
2: For sure. Yeah, but the-
0: the 96 watch they got the compass they got the voyager they got a a, a wide variety lots dave has got you covered any type of watch you want they got you so had to definitely get that in too in addition to everything else but man it's been fun chatting with you all uh dropping knowledge on here catching up with td uh talked about the singing the odd couple (laughs) Content, <laughs> about the, all kind of stuff on here tonight man so uh, everybody go to believe.com give us five stars on apple podcast wherever you get your podcast um, word of mouth tell your friends if you got friends you know what like this podcast tell them if you're on social media tweet about it post about it copy the link and text it to your friends and everybody just just enjoy this episode and check out the other ones that we don't had archived from the previous episodes as well
1: peace out y'all good job V
2: appreciate it guys thanks, thanks for having man. me thanks for having <laughs> me
1: hey thanks for being a part of our podcast man
2: we'll alright anytime man appreciate it